Hey, stargazers. Welcome back to another episode of the Birth Chart Please podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Ash. I am a professional astrologer. I'm a lifestyle writer, a podcast host, and I was the number one ranked Girl Scout cookie saleswoman my fifth grade year. That is a true story. Um, My mom is an elementary school teacher, so I had that sweet, sweet elementary school teacher hookup. All of the teachers bought my cookies, and legend says I once threatened a girl on the playground who tried to sell cookies at my school. Um, This is kind of an impromptu episode, and I'm also going to try something new where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do less editing. I think one of the reasons that I like don't love doing the podcast as much is because the editing process really stresses me out. It's very tedious, and I have a very short attention span. So what we're going to do is I'm just going to kind of chit-chat, and unless I just like fully have a brain fart, um, we're just going to go with the flow. So if it feels a little less structured, that's what we're doing. Let me know how you feel in the comments on TikTok. And fun fact, we are very, very close to... 100 five-star reviews on Spotify. Thank you guys so much. This started as my Mars and Gemini project, God, almost eight months ago. (laughs) No, wait, hang on. No, I think I actually started this during the retrograde. Yeah, there's no way it's been eight months. Okay. See, this is the kind of shit I would have edited out, but like this, this is real, this is me. Camp Rock, Demi Lovato, realness. Um, Listen, the podcast is going to be weird without the editing, but that's just how we're going to roll with it. So yeah, I started this when the retrograde, Mars retrograde, because I was like, I'm going to go crazy if I don't have something to just kind of get my mind occupied. So Um, The success of the podcast has really been unexpected, and I'm so thankful. So thank you guys for listening and supporting. But most importantly, um, for everyone who's left me reviews and sent me DMs and uh, commented on my TikTok for feedback, I I really, really appreciate it because, um, you know, I don't do this to hear myself talk. A lot of you said you wanted a longer form astrology Um, deep dive. And so I'm just so grateful that you guys continue to support my work and that you find a lot of value in this. So, okay. So we're going to start this episode off with Pisces season and Pisces season is big for so many reasons. In general, it is the end of the astrological year. Uh, We celebrate New Year's obviously Uh, Jan 1, but in the astrological calendar, Aries season and the spring equinox are what kick off a new year. So for a lot of people, um, this time of year feels more like December than December does. And that's because this is kind of the wrap it all up. If you're the kind of person who like really takes the winter to hibernate and like go into your shell and transform and journal and look out the window and listen to a playlist that makes you feel like Joan Didion while you're writing your memoir. You know what I mean? Like if you're wistful and charming and whimsical and um, possibly a water sign, um, like the winter is your time to like reflect and 
Pisces season is kind of the final revelation. So let's talk about the astrology of Pisces season. So this year, Pisces season kicks off when the sun enters Pisces on February 18th. You are slowly, very slowly shaking off the snow, stretching your limbs out, remembering what it's like to enjoy your life and see more than four hours of sunshine in the day. <laughs> um, this optimism comes with a, like a boost in mood, right? You're feeling more forward thinking, you're, you're ready to make plans, you're excited to get out and do things, but there's still just this bit of haziness where you're still not quite sure which direction you're headed. If you think about um, the transition from Pisces season to Aries season, kind of like a workout, Pisces season is like the pre-workout stretch, right? Um, you're warming up. You're, you're reminding your body what it's like to try to do the splits before you try to do the splits. You know what I mean? Um, you're going slow. You're not pushing yourself. You're listening to what feels good and what feels tense. And you are creating a plan. And then when airy season kicks off, that's when you start taking that action. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because Normally, you know, I've talked about my TikTok. We're in this planetary period known as All Planets Direct. Normally, that's like a green light. But this year, we have so many major planetary shifts that everything before March just kind of feels like this like weird looming energy. So like if things have felt a little weird or you're like, I don't even know what the I've lost the plot. Very expected about this time of year, especially with the astrology of March. So just want to sneak that in before we get too far into Pisces season. Okay. So again, sun enters Pisces on the 18th, kicking things off. And then the new moon in Pisces on the 19th is the very next day. For those of you who are learning astrology, new to astrology, teaching yourself, I'm hoping you'll notice the pattern that the new moon happens just days after the sun enters a sign. Uh, something just to know about the moon cycles, they're very predictable, 28 days. Every month we have a new moon and a full moon. The new moon will always be in the same sign as the current season. So every Leo season, we will have a new moon in Leo. Every Pisces season, a new moon in Pisces and so on and so forth. And a little fun fact, obviously some of you know this, but for those of you who don't, the full moon always happens in the sister sign of the current season. So when we have a new moon in Pisces, we'll always have a full moon in Virgo. Moon mapping is just like such an astrology hack for learning not only like how things are going to move for you, it's one of the quicker moving astrological influences in your chart, but it's like very connected to your emotion. So it's good to know, you know, some days you'll be feeling more energetic than others. Why? It's probably the moon. So the new moon in Pisces on the 19th, great romantic evening, probably better than Valentine's Day, probably better than today, even though today is a nice little day. But this is a really good time for a fresh start. Not only is Venus 
really cozy with Neptune, the new moon in Pisces energy will just give you that optimism that you need to kind of throw yourself headfirst into romance. Because like, let's be honest, romance is not logical. Falling in love isn't logical. Um, It's all very confusing sometimes. And so what's really important is to have a bit of that whimsy. And so this new moon in Pisces will be really, really good for that. So let's talk about the aspects with this new moon. Obviously, with a new moon, the sun will be conjunct the moon. And in this case, we only have one major aspect with the moon other than the sun, and that is the moon conjunct Saturn. Now, what's important to note is that these two planets will be in different signs, the moon in Pisces, Saturn in Aquarius. But what is so special about this Saturn is at 28 degrees, and Saturn is so close to leaving Aquarius, March 7th. So this little tryst, this little love affair, if you will, with the moon in Pisces and Saturn in Aquarius, this is actually a very poignant precursor to what Saturn in Pisces is going to feel like. It's kind of a, a, a very bittersweet farewell, Saturn in Pisces. My apologies. Saturn in Aquarius. And again, we're not editing the podcast. We're just going with the mistakes. Um, (laughs) Saturn in Aquarius at that like very late degree, meeting up with the moon at such an early degree, we're really going to feel what that feels like to um, learn those lessons that Saturn in Aquarius has taught us. And for those of you who have your Saturn in Pisces, what you're going to feel is kind of this... um, almost intuitive precursor to what your Saturn return is going to hold for you. So very emotional, very emotional new moon, very spiritual. So that'll be really important to look out for. So what makes this new moon extra spicy as well is that Venus enters Aries that same day. And so things are heating up. Again, we're like coming right up to Aries season, the spring equinox. You don't have to be in Aries or have any sort of significant Aries placements to feel the energy of the equinox, of the start of the new astrological year. And Venus, again, I hammer the point home so often, but it's more than your sexual desires and your love life. It's like literally what you desire out of life and the energy you attract to yourself and what makes you feel satisfied in every sense of the word. And so for the next couple of weeks, things are blooming, blossoming, new opportunities. There's going to be a lot of motion and you're going to have to really make some decisions with your gut. So the real trick is not trying to psychoanalyze what is the right option. Remember the energy of Aries is all about leap first, get it done, learn as you go. And so going with your passion, going with your heart is definitely the move. And we got a few quiet days, right? Obviously a few transits, but the next major planetary shift isn't until March 2nd when Mercury enters Pisces. So again, Aries season and Pisces season, they have so much more in common than people think. Uh, Pisces is very dreamy and Aries is very action oriented. And you can't take action on something if you don't know what you're aiming for. So when Mercury enters Pisces, you're entering your drafting phase, your planning phase again. 
you're really feeling like you can articulate your dreams clearer, you're feeling more creative, artistic, maybe a little delusional, maybe a bit of grandeur in your plans, but that's okay because a few days later, the full moon in Virgo is coming in with that reality check. Um, yeah, the daydreaming has been nice, right? It's good to dream, but now you got to hone in your options. And so the full moon in Virgo is really about sitting with the facts of the situation, really seeing what you're working with, and understanding the steps you're going to have to take to make those dreams a reality. Um, so this is a really good day for planning and executing, especially because the dreaded, the big, the bad, no. Um, no, it, I mean, it's time. That same day, March 7th, Saturn enters Pisces. So March 7th, big day. I'm probably going to take off work. I'm not saying everyone should, but I think I'll probably cry. Um yeah, March 7th, full moon in Virgo. We just talked about that. Saturn enters Pisces. Three years in Aquarius. Saturn is entering Pisces. It's a new age, a new normal. It's time to break away from things that are holding you back, that are weighing you down, that are poisoning your happiness. And you're getting away from like the hive mind mindset and you're creating a new future for yourself. Um, Saturn entering Pisces, super, super anticipated transit. Um, this is a big shift for a new generation of people entering their Saturn return. So that'll be really exciting. And then again, a lot of quiet from the 7th until the 16th. So Saturn's going to enter Pisces. It's probably good that there's some quiet because Although it's a big shift, it's going to take a little while to settle in. Remember, Saturn is kind of a very slow burn lesson, so it's not going to feel different right away the next day. So a few days of quiet, probably good. And then Venus enters Taurus on the 16th. This is a super romantic, great energy. If I could rearrange the astrological calendar, I would have Venus in Taurus during Aquarius season. I know that's not how the stars work, but God is Venus and Taurus. So sexy. It's just such a fun, flirty time. Um, why is that? Well, obviously Venus is ruled by Taurus. Uh, so until April 10th, your relationships, your partnerships of all kinds, friendships, any close connections are feeling more stable and more fun. You're, you're trying to have more fun and enjoy yourself. Like Taurus understands that relationships take stability and planning, but you also need to like wine and dine your partner. So you're feeling the fun, you're feeling the fantasy again, um, and all the way till April 10th. So that'll be a really cute little stretch of time. And then just a few days later, we got some more motion. Mercury enters Aries, which is heading up. The spring equinox on the 18th, you're feeling emboldened. You're feeling the fire kind of get under you. You're ready to go. Okay. It's almost like this electric energy where like you can feel everything is about to change. And so again, Mercury in Aries the next couple of weeks, you're feeling very direct. You're asking for what you want. Remember you asked the universe and yourself and you consulted the facts. You did all of that on the full moon in Virgo back on the 7th, right? 
So when Mercury enters Aries, you're feeling like you know what you want and you can just say it out loud. You're not afraid. You know, it's good to maintain decorum and not be too bossy or too demanding, but be confident and be direct. And, And the worst thing you can do when Mercury is in Aries is like waffle. Like, let's say, for example, you know, you, you want that promotion. The worst thing you can do is go in and go, well, you know, if it was okay, I was just thinking, if it's not too much trouble. When Mercury is in Aries, skip the qualifiers. Skip the fluff. Get straight to the point. Say, I'm qualified. I'm the best person for the job. I bring great value to the team. And I'm really excited for the next challenge. So let's talk about how we can work together to make this happen. You got to act like the delusional startup founder, um, you know, that you wish you could channel in this world. Um, You know, not their morals or their ethics or their views on anything really, but the confidence. (laughs) Um, And again, Mercury in Aries is a really exciting time because it really precursors the next couple days. March 20th, sun enters Aries. That spring equinox Aries season kicks off. Astrological New Year. That's a whole other episode we will get into next time. But that is your Pisces season horoscope. Um, A lot of you are probably wondering, I heard March was crazy. You kind of only talked about one big transit. Yeah. Uh, Believe it or not, the back half of March is nuts. Um, just a little taste for those of you who are curious. Um, Pluto will enter Aquarius on the 23rd. And then two days later, Mars leaves Gemini after eight months to go into cancer. So a lot of emotions at the end of March, at the beginning of Aries season. We'll get into all of that next time. But again, that's Pisces season. That's your Pisces season horoscope. We are about to jump into the culture scopes. And we're just, I'm just going to chit chat. I'm going to talk about the Super Bowl, how I accurately predicted the Super Bowl winner and how I was sweating bullets the entire time I was watching the game. We're just going to chit chat about whatever feels good. So if you don't like to stick around for the culture scope, that's totally good. See you next time. And if you're a culture scope girly, go grab a drink, refresh. Um, Let's get into it. Let's talk about what the hell has been going on. Okay, so let's actually start with the Megan Fox situation because this thing is crazy. So she and Machine Gun Kelly have been dating for a while. They're engaged. And for those of you who are paying attention, they got engaged during a Mercury and a Venus retrograde period. Not the best vibe. Some would say karmic. Um, and I think watching this relationship unfold, it just really does feel like it's gotten to a point where, I mean, she doesn't seem like she's enjoying herself. She doesn't seem like she's having fun. She doesn't seem happy. And then that same day, um, Super Bowl Sunday, where that Uranus Scorpio moon opposition happened, She posted that selfie and those pictures of her burning something, which by the way, people were like, oh my God, she set his shit on fire. No, she was doing a cleansing ritual. Anyone who is crazy and has cancer placements like I do (laughs) has done something like that. Water placements, no. 
Um, no, she wrote him a letter and set it on fire to break their karmic bond. And she posted that stuff to Instagram to hold herself publicly accountable. But the thing about a karmic relationship and a karmic bond is you have to stick with it. And then hours later, she deleted her whole Instagram and people were worried and it was weird and no one knew what was going on. And now, you know, People Magazine is reporting that they're trying to work things out and that there are trust issues and there's speculation that he might have cheated and all this stuff. And like, here's my thing. Never beg a man to treat you right. Like, holy shit. Um, And this is not a judgment on her. I mean, we're all conditioned, right? Like, no judgment. I just, like, where are her friends? Where are her real friends? Where are her real friends? To say, Megan, what the fuck? Ditch this loser, please. Like, um, the whole thing is very sad and frustrating to watch. And, like astrology aside obviously you never want to see anyone in a bad situation and so like I'm not thrilled that they're trying to work things out because I think that she's fighting for something that like isn't good for her um and obviously I don't know the inner workings of their relationship but just the stuff she's chose to share publicly about it and about how difficult and hard it is like I tell people this all the time when like my friends and I are talking about stuff, but like your relationship should be hard because life is hard and you're like looking out for the other person. The other person should not be the reason your life is difficult. They shouldn't be making it harder. Like marriage shouldn't be hard because your partner fucking hates you and treats you like shit. It should be hard because you have to grow up and like consider other people. And that's a hard transition and it's difficult to be alive in this day and age but like I don't know I I was willing to like give this couple the benefit of the doubt and she seemed really happy at the beginning and I was really happy for her but I'm just like Megan please you're on the upswing you're talented you're beautiful you're funny you don't need this you don't need someone who makes you feel this way so I mean like I don't know her I've never met her I literally am just some idiot with a podcast, but I mean, they're celebrities and we consume media. So that's my opinion on the latest celebrity couple news. Um, no, all, all joking aside, it's, I hope she breaks up with him. I, I really like, I would like that done expeditiously because she deserves so much better. Okay. Let's talk about how I knew the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl. Um, okay. So for those of you who don't know, or didn't see me bragging all over the internet about that, um, I was interviewed by the Today Show by fellow astrologer, Lisa Stardust, a legend and an icon, uh, about my Super Bowl prediction. And so I'm going to walk you guys through how I knew the Chiefs would probably pull it out. So one of the things that's very important to know about sports astrology is that you know, the Super Bowl itself is an event. It's an event that happens every year. And so you need to treat the event chart as the main energy. And so when I saw the event chart of the Super Bowl and I saw a giant T-square, 
with the moon in Scorpio, with Uranus, all forming at the apex of the sun and Saturn in Aquarius, I knew there's going to be some tomfoolery, some interference. Um, the Scorpio moon, okay, Scorpio doesn't like being in the moon, secrets. Um, it can be very um, dark if it's not handled correctly. Opposition Uranus, the, the rebel, you know, the um, chaotic change maker, just unexpected cosmic events. And then the Sun and Saturn are both authority figures. And so I, I knew we would be dealing with referee interference during that game. So then, you know, you look at the event chart itself. And you go, this is the energy. And then you take the quarterbacks individually and you place their chart within, do a little sinistry run, see what the deal is. Jalen Hurts, we don't have his rising sign, but we do know he's a Leo. And so the Super Bowl had a Leo rising for the chart, which is why the Eagles were the favorite. I mean, okay, astrology aside, Eagles, great team this year. Jalen Hurts, super fucking talented. Um, he doesn't need my endorsement. He's going to have a great career, right? But when a Super Bowl deals with authority figures and interference and, you know, the refs putting boundaries on you, the player in the team with more experience is going to fare better. And Patrick Mahomes is the more seasoned quarterback, but more importantly, Andy Reid is the more seasoned coach. And you kind of saw that momentum shift in the second half, right? So um, the Leo rising and Jalen Hurts, Leo's son, that really explains like why he was the favorite. It also explains why he like put on such a good show at the beginning. It explains the setup for the emotional upset that Uranus had in motion. And most importantly, the Sun and Saturn were opposition to Leo rising, which really meant that the referee call that was going to interfere with the game was going to be against whoever's chart best aligned with the rising, uh, which was Jalen Hurts. So I knew he wasn't going to win the game at that point, and I knew that there was going to be some referee interference. Um, there were also some Mars aspects, which is why I predicted the injury. Uh, Mars, that placement, is also why I knew Patrick Mahomes would capitalize on the referee interference. So he himself has a Scorpio Mars and a Scorpio Pluto, and the Super Bowl had a Scorpio moon. And so during that big emotional upset, that interference, uh, he was able to use his action, his athleticism, and his personal power, Pluto, to shift the paradox of the game. My apology, not the paradox of the game, but, you know, the, the general paradigm, good Lord, the paradigm of the game in his favor. And like, let's also put it this way, right? Because like, is it shocking how the game ended? Yeah, especially for such a high scoring game that was so fucking exciting. Like, it's a bummer, no doubt. Um, but Patrick Mahomes can't clinch a Chiefs victory at the last second on a ref call if they weren't playing neck and neck with the Eagles, right? Like the Eagles definitely were running the Chiefs around, but the Chiefs just tore through the Eagles defense. And that is why a last minute call can shift the game because the Chiefs were still really close in points. So all that to say, that's that's how I predicted the Super Bowl. And it was my first time doing it for a major publication. Super exciting. I'm glad I was right. Uh, I'm a Missouri girl. 
by heart. So I, I had a lot of people side-eyeing me when I said the Chiefs were going to win. They were like, don't fuck with me. So I'm really glad I was right about that. And I'll be excited to do it again next year. Speaking of the Super Bowl, got to talk about Rihanna. She's incredible. Listen, I don't care what Twitter says. I don't care what anybody says. She's she's great. Um, she has so many hits. Just every album, hit after hit after hit. It was a great performance. And that was my thing. Like, obviously, she wasn't dancing as much as she had planned because she is pregnant. And she did reveal that at the Super Bowl, which is a whole other thing. But, um, like, I just, I think there's just this weird sexism with female performers and expecting them to, like, do backflips and heels while we just let male performers stand in front of a microphone and sing. And when did it become more than the music? Why can't we watch an icon perform her greatest hits and have fun celebrating her catalog without criticism. Um, that pissed me off. The good news is Rihanna doesn't care what any of you think. And she doesn't need to make another album. And she probably won't based on how Twitter was acting. Um, congratulations to her on the baby. Um, for those of everyone <laughs> online during the performance who were like, no, she's not, blah, 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 don't assume, like, I don't know, maybe it's because I work in media and I had watched all her interviews where she teased a special guest and then she didn't have a guest and then she rubbed her belly and like called back to that Beyonce announcement. And I was like, oh, that's a like that's a baby announcement. Maybe it's that. Um, I also had a mutual um, on Twitter who I've retweeted her prediction already, but she actually looked at Rihanna's chart ahead of the Super Bowl and yeah, actually literally verbatim was like, I'll bet she announces a pregnancy. So, I mean, listen, she is a Pisces with an Aries stellium. Venus was exalted in Pisces on the Super Bowl. And, you know, we're in that pre-Aries season energy. She's gearing up. It was a great day for her. Um, really shining the light on her legacy, her music, her creativity. And it was a good homage to the creator that was you know, Rihanna. And I think that this was a good send-off for her. I think that Rihanna is transitioning to the life of Rihanna, the businesswoman, the mother, and the family person. And it was a really, really great night. I mean, she opened with Bitch Better Have My Money. Um, she did a great job. So that was just like a nice little moment amid all the Super Bowl chaos. And now this is a new podcast segment I'm calling y'all fucking hear about this shit? <laughs> um, in this week's inaugural segment, did y'all hear? Apparently John Mayer is an insanely good guitarist. And I don't just mean like a good guitarist. Apparently, allegedly, hypothetically, speculatively, theoretically, Apparently, John Mayer is one of the top 10 most skilled guitarists alive. Like right now. Like currently alive. People who play guitar really well and are like professionals, like they agree on this. And listen, I'll, let me be the first to admit, I might be really fucking ignorant about this. And by that, I mean, 
I don't listen to John Mayer and I don't play guitar. But I guess it's difficult for me to know that like there are there are guitarists who sh- like were shredding at Woodstock who were like pioneering the metal scene, okay? We have a very robust metal and punk scene currently. Um you know, new groups of 16-year-old boys are picking up acoustic guitars every day to learn the opening bars of Wonderwall. You're telling me Santana is still alive and playing guitar. <laughs> like you're really telling me we can't we can't find 10 people who are better at playing guitar than John Mayer. That's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. Um, and the reason it's crazy to me is because he, he's like a shitty dude, like self-admittedly, like stuff he's said in interviews. Um, like he's not like a cool guy. And so I guess my thing is like, like how good at guitar can he be? You know what I mean? Um, so we're just, we're just going to talk about some of the shit John Mayer's done. (laughs) And I'm just going to complain about that because um, not only do I think like the shit he said is like unacceptable, it just is also so hard for me to believe like a top 10 guitar player currently alive? Like for real. That's crazy. Fun fact, I just Googled John Mayer shithead to pull up my source material. Um, okay. But like, okay. So here's the deal. I remember John Mayer being like a cool guy. Like I remember that. Wait a minute. Oh my God. Wait. I think I'm realizing that I complained about John Mayer on the last podcast episode. (laughs) Oh no. Oh my God. This must really be plaguing me. You know what? Okay, we're just going to keep going. Because, like, I don't think I actually, like, got into the... I mean, obviously all the Taylor Swift stuff, right? But, um, the real kickoff of, like... I don't want to say kickoff so much as, like, the start of the documentation that he was a shit... Um, is after he and Jessica Simpson broke up. He dated her from 2006 to 2007. And then he did an interview with Playboy where he said that, um, quote, that girls like crack cocaine to me. Sexually, it was crazy. That's all I'll say. It was like napalm, sexual napalm. Napalm, like the war fucking, like, what the fuck, John Mayer? And then it's like, do you know what napalm does to your body? It literally makes you like sweat and like ooze out of every orifice. Like you're literally like snot is like coming out of your ears and you're like, it's gross. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is sexual napalm? Um, And then he said, there are people in the world who have the power to change our values, which I agree with. And that's a very poignant statement if he had ended it there. But he didn't. He continues, have you ever been with a girl who made you want to quit the rest of your life? Again, 
kind of romantic. Nothing terrible about that. But again, you know, John Mayer's problem is that he continues to speak. Um, and then he says, um, have you ever said, I want to quit my life and just fucking snort you? If you charge me $10,000 to fuck you, I'd start selling all my shit to keep fucking you. Um, weird. Weirdo. Weirdo behavior. Um, Jessica Simpson told Oprah, quote, I was so disappointed in him. It made me sad. It was very discouraging. <laughs> Jesus. Um, he also said the N-word in that same interview, I believe. Um, <laughs> which is like, what the fuck, John Mayer? With all the talk of crack cocaine and snorting, I have to wonder, like, what was his deal? What was his deal during that time? Like, what could possibly compel someone to think any of that is okay? And none of, like, none of this is, like, alleged. He sat down with an interviewer from Playboy and said all this stuff. And I just looked it up to double check. Yeah. He literally just dropped that bomb, just said it during that interview. Um, he said, there's no intellectualizing a word that's so emotionally charged. So why, why say it? Um, oh God, how do we reconcile the John Mayer problem? My thing is like, I have not heard his music since like that first album that like really took off. And I I know there are so many other reasons to be rid of him. And I feel like we as a society generally are like not paying too much attention to him. But like at my core, it is truly so hard for me to believe he's a top 10 guitarist. And I sat down and I listened to his music. I did. I promise I did. And um couldn't get past his singing voice, couldn't get past the lyrics. Maybe it's one of those things where it's just like, I am not a musician. I'm not a technician of music. I feel music, but I don't know how to play any instruments. I'm a singer. So maybe it's an agree to disagree. But one thing we can all agree on is that John Mayer is a weirdo. And I think we need to talk about it. Okay. And finally, the new season of Pump Rules is back baby okay so I'm like a diehard pump rules fan I was not upset necessarily by the cast changes especially Brittany and Jack's like I've whatever I was done with them um I was interested to see how the show would perform with so many mainstay anchor cast members gone but let me just say, Katie and Tom delivering right out of the gate. Um, Tom is a weasel. He's spineless. And he never respected Katie in their marriage. And I'll just say this. Like, Katie's a bitch, tried and true, through and through, to her cold, cold heart. But um, she's direct. And she actually says what she's feeling and what she thinks. And she gave a shit and tried. And I truly think... Um, her more bossy and domineering side was amplified by the fact that she had such a passive, spineless weasel of a husband. Um, women who are very take charge in their lives 
who want that kind of relationship with a partner, they don't want to have to scream and beg you and like direct you on how to do it. Like I was literally just talking to Zach about this. Like if that's the dynamic you want, what the person who wants to be cared for is really wanting is to know that you're competent and mature and trustworthy enough to handle that stuff, to take that off their plate and to take the lead. And like, you can't just say, I'm a businessman. I'm a, a good husband. I'm a blah, blah. You have to like do it through your actions and you have to prove it. And it takes time and consistency and showing up. And Tom never did. And he was very nasty to how he spoke to her. I'll never forget that trip they took where he goes, that's the problem. I don't like the sound of your fucking voice. Divorce. I would divorce. What the fuck? So speaking of divorce, I'm glad they're getting separated. So many divorces on pump rules. So many engagements broken. James Kennedy is drinking again. Raquel looks incredible. Um, and I'm really excited to see where this season goes. Pump rules feels fresh. Um, Jax was the Jax and Brittany thing. It just got so bad and so heavy and just like sad. It's <laughs> so sad. I never liked Jax's hijinks, but like, good Lord, it just really becomes clear how pathetic it is when it's like, like a roided out, like sweaty, beet red 46 year old man, like screaming about drama he caused. It's like at any point you could choose to become a better person. And yet you choose this every time. And it's just not entertainment to me anymore. And you're like, questionable morals of like people you'll associate with like flat out homophobic people and you don't seem to give a shit so good fucking rinse um yeah that's my official verdict pump rules is back pump rules is trendy again um yeah i think that might be it for the culture scope i think that's probably a good little way to finish off Okay, and for those of you who have stuck around this long, uh, I've got a few little updates, so this is kind of exciting. I am a freelancer, so my shit kind of moves around a lot. So most recently, my freelancing gigs moved around a bit. I am now a freelancer at Best Life Online, which I have been for a year now. Ooh, congratulations to me. Um, in style, which some of you know, but most recently... I've joined Reader's Digest and Main Addicts, so I will be writing horoscopes and Zodiac Beauty Guides for them. A lot of content for you guys to dig into and really looking forward to writing some more in-depth monthly astrological transits and horoscopes. So thanks again for hanging out. We're getting really close to like episode 10, big milestone. So until next time... Keep your eyes on the stars and stay sexy, stargazers.